Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 82 called God Takes His Stand. Now, you'll notice at the top of Psalm 82, it is uh, credited to Asaph. So this is not a psalm of David. The psalm is very short, so let's take a peek at the whole psalm. God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly, Psalm 82.2, and show partiality to the wicked, Selah? Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked, Psalm 82.5. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are God's. And all you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, seven, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth. Here's the kind of the other bookend. God takes his stand. Now, verse 8. Arise, O God. This is the cry of God's people. Judge the earth, for it is thou who does possess all the nations. So this is a wisdom psalm by category, but it is a a theme of a cry for justice. It's crying out to God that he would do what he's ultimately responsible for. God is the ultimate judge, and this is a cry for justice. And we have to remember that the psalms are songs. This was the hymn book of Israel, and it would seem somewhat unusual, I think, for all of us to realize that songs were sung about justice. And we might say, well, you know, I thought, I thought the psalms were about praising God and asking him for help. And that's true. But this is medicinal. We've been calling the overall series Medicine for the Soul. This is medicinal in another sense. I think we can find comfort in knowing that God will judge all things righteously. And that, that's another form of comfort because we look at this world sometimes and we, we want to run to God for a refuge, and we do. And we want to find, as we lean into him, he will be our banner and our strength. And hopefully we're all doing that. But there's another reality that needs to be medicinal for our souls. And that is that God will mete out a righteous judgment. That's who he is. He is a righteous judge. And this particular psalm is moving in that direction. I've called it God takes his stand. Verse 1 says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. If you have an NIV, it says he gives judgment among the gods. The Hebrew word there is Elohim. I'll come back to that in a moment. If you have a New King James, it also says he judges among the gods. Now, the first thing I want you to see is God takes his stand in his own congregation or in the midst of a group of people or an assembly. We read in other Psalms that God is surrounded by his angels, and there's perhaps billions and billions of angels that attend to him. And we know that angels are not gods, uh, and we know that sometimes in our Bible we'll read about other gods that the God of the Bible does acknowledge But take a peek at Psalm 96 just to give you one example, and there's many I could give you. 
This Psalm 96, it's in verse 3, it says, Tell of his glory, God's glory among the nations, Psalm 96, 3, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, there's a divine name, Yahweh, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared, what's your Bible say? Above all gods, small g. For all the gods, small g, of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. If you take a peek just back to Psalm 94, you'll see another cry for judgment. Verse 1, Psalm 94, O Lord God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up, O judge of the earth. God is the judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long Shall the wicked exult or rejoice? They pour forth words. They speak arrogantly. This is the theme of some of the Psalms. All who do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush thy people, O Lord, and inflict, afflict thy heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the orphans. And they have said the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. Now, in Psalm 94, those first seven verses, I want you to see the cry of the righteous that God would uh, judge, that he would intervene. And then notice in the psalm uh, to the right of it, Psalm 96, there is a comparison or a contrast, I should say, between the true God and the gods of the peoples with a small g. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other God, small g, before me or beside me. And then he goes on to say, don't make an idol. Now, <clears throat> Israel came out of Egypt, which was an idol factory, much like Babylon. That's why they made the golden calf, by the way, when Moses was gone for 40 days and 40 nights, because that's what they knew. They were used to that, even though they were Hebrew people and certainly they understood things and truths about the God of Israel. Still, they were prone to go to the false gods. Now, in Psalm 82, 1, God, the true God, takes his stand in his own congregation. He is standing up. The judge, the ultimate judge, is about to judge the judges. All judges will be judged. And so I was thinking just before I came up here that to be a judge must be a very difficult position to be in. Let's just take a good judge, for example. You know, you wear the, the gown, you go up on a bench, you have a gavel, and you're making decisions. Sometimes people's lives are on the line. Sometimes it could even be the, the issue of a death sentence, and you hear testimony, and you have to render a judgment. And oh, that our judges would be crying out to God, right, to make good decisions. And the book of James says, let not many of you become teachers, for we will incur what? The stricter judgment. There is a judgment coming for those who teach, a judgment coming for those who judge. In John 7, 24, Jesus said, make a righteous judgment. Now we have to make judgments every day. And I know a lot of people are big into saying, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And that's the only Bible verse that they know. But the Bible does teach that you have to make judgments every single day. You make judgments about your life, your occupation, your place of worship, how you're going to spend your day, who your friends are. You make judgments every day. The Bible doesn't tell you not to judge. It just says don't make hypocritical judgments. Amen? 
In the way that you judge, you will be judged, Jesus said. So judges will be judged. Teachers will be judged. And would to God that we would you know, make sure that when we are going to render a judgment, and this applies to all of us in any given situation, if we're going to make a judgment on somebody, let's be careful that we slow it down a little bit, downshift a little bit, make sure we've heard you know, both sides of the story, and then make sure that we render a proper righteous judgment based upon the unchanging word of God and not our opinion or not who we lean toward or who we're partial to. And this is what was happening in the ancient world, and it doesn't happen today, just the ancient world. That's a joke. That people, you know, who had wealth and power could buy off judges. They would sometimes take the poor. The book of James chapter 2 talks about this into the law courts. And because they had money and influence and power, judges could be bought off and paid off. You know, there's so much garbage that goes on behind closed doors. And when you find someone who's a good judge, an honest judge, a righteous judge, it is a refreshing thing. We were praying before the service tonight, and we have, you know, Pastor Mike McClure in San Jose, Calvary Chapel, who's going to stand before a judge tomorrow. And uh, Robert Tyler's defending him. And, you know, we're praying for the pastors there at Calvary Chapel San Jose, but we're also praying that the judge would have, make a righteous judgment. And not just how the political winds are blowing or whatever it may be. And we all, we all have to be careful because we all have our, you know, ways that we lean and, and so forth. So God takes his stand. He stands up, if you will, from his throne in his own congregation or among the assembly. We can imagine angels here, but um, we can also take some pictures from other places in the Bible. For example, in the book of Job. Uh, in the book of Job, we know that the sons of God appear before God, and Lucifer is among them, and he seems to be checking in with God, and the question, the exchange happens between uh, God and Lucifer. Uh, you know, where have you been, and have you considered my servant Job, and so forth. And so there seems to be a checking in, even with fallen angels, to the true God, or the God of the Bible. He judges in the midst of the rulers. Now, if you have a New American Standard, verse 1, Psalm 82, it says rulers, but others, uh, other versions, NIV, New King James, say gods with a small g. That's the word Elohim. And so some of you are saying, what, is, what does this mean that God judges among the gods? Well, let me just give you the word, and as we work down the psalm, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but the word Elohim, spelled E-L-O-H-I-Y-M, transliterated into English, Elohim, can mean God, the God of the Bible, but it also can be rulers, judges, divine ones, angels, gods with a small g, etc., or even a God-like one. And so, here, rulers are depicted as having the role or a godlike role. Now, no ruler is on the level of God. There's only one God by nature. Amen? You can make a God out of anything. The Israelites made the golden calf. People, you know, worship false gods all throughout history. Even Satan is called the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, or the God of this world. Now, he's not the true God. We all know that. He's a fallen angel. 
but he's attempting to get worship. He's attempting to be a god in one sense. And the rulers had a godlike position in this sense, that they were making judgments. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Now, if you have a New American Standard, verse 1, Psalm 82, it says rulers, but others, uh, other versions, NIV, New King James, say gods with a small g. That's the word Elohim. And so some of you are saying, what, is, what does this mean that God judges among the gods? Well, let me just give you the word, and as we work down the psalm, we'll talk about this a little bit more. But the word Elohim, spelled E-L-O-H-I-Y-M, transliterated into English, Elohim, can mean God, the God of the Bible, but it also can be rulers, judges, divine ones, angels, gods with a small g, etc., or even a god-like one. And so here, rulers are depicted as having the role or a godlike role. Now, no ruler is on the level of God. There's only one God by nature, amen? You can make a God out of anything. The Israelites made the golden calf. People, you know, worship false gods all throughout history. Even Satan is called the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4, or the God of this world. Now, he's not the true God. We all know that. He's a fallen angel, but he's attempting to get worship. He's attempting to be a God in one sense. And the rulers had a godlike position in this sense, that they were making judgments. And if you were a judge in Israel, for example, what would your code book be? It would be the law of God. And so the expectation on a judge would be that you would make a righteous judgment. So if you had the position of a priest or a judge and you were making you know, decisions about people, even at times life and death positions, you were in the role 
of, a, of God in the sense that you were God's representative. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer or a judge who might hear a capital case and have to render a judgment that has very serious consequences. The power of life and death. Ultimately, they represent God, if you will. They're not God, but they represent God. And this is what we're dealing with here. And the question comes to these rulers. They're human rulers. I, I think you'll see that as we move down. How long, Psalm 82.2, will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? How long will you do this? Will you render unjust judgments? And then there's the, the Selah, uh, which is a pause in the song, remember? But this is a pause right after a serious question or accusation. How long will you continue down a wicked path? Pregnant pause. Not a fun pause, is it? Because oftentimes when we spend a little time considering Selah, which is pause and ponder and meditate on that truth. It's been wonderful. Like, oh, Selah, God loves me. Oh, Selah, the, the Lord of peace, the Lord reigns, righteousness. But here it's how long are you going to keep doing the wrong thing? And sometimes we need a little pause after questions like that. Would you agree? Uncomfortable pause. <clears throat> Bulletin shuffle pause. You guys familiar with the bulletin shuffle? is when someone's sitting inside a church and the Holy Spirit's got a hold of them, they do the bulletin shuffle because they don't want to. They're trying to deflect the truths that are coming at them. It's called the bulletin shuffle. Anyway, never mind. How long? How long will you judge unjustly? How long will you show partiality to the wicked? Once you turn to the book of James for a second, James chapter 2, hold your place in that psalm and we'll come back to it. But the book of James, James deals with a lot of hard truth and this is one example of it. Here's James 2, <clears throat> we'll pick it up in verse 1. My brethren, he's, a, he's addressing believers, my brethren, James 2, 1, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism or partiality. If a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, James 2, 3. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges, here it is, with evil motives? I guess anybody can take the role of a judge. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, that is God's law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor or tra as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. 
Now, if we were to summarize the law back to Psalm 82 and ask what the essence of the law is, James has hit the nail on the head. The essence of the law is that we love people. No matter who they are, no matter if they look like us, no matter if you know, they come from the same background or whatever, we're supposed to love each other. In fact, you know that you have passed out of death into life, 1 John 3, I think it's verse 14, if you love God's people. One of the greatest measures of whether or not you belong to Christ is your love for people. And that the distinctions between, you know, where we come from, our skin color, whatever it may be, our bank accounts, our pedigree, it means nothing. All ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? This is what should distinguish the church from the world and the the petty stuff that goes on. Leviticus 19.15 says, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Psalm 7, 3 through 5, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, <clears throat> I want you to make this personal. If I have rewarded evil to my friend or plundered, plundered him without cause uh, was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust, say law. That's Psalm 7, 3 through 5. In other words, the psalmist says, if I've done this, because it is easy for me to judge other people when we're talking about judgment. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah, so-and-so does do that. Oh, yeah, such-and-such does do that. If you have a loved one by your side, you are that person. Little loving elbow to the midsection. Did you hear that? Or the famous one, I wish so-and-so were here tonight because they really need to hear this sermon. (laughs) And all God's people said... That's right, Raggy. (laughs) Ralph. You've been listening to God Takes His Stand, part one on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 82. Hey, don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch Pastor Michael's sermons and the full services with worship When you follow our YouTube channel, Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. And we would love it if you can join us for a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning service. But if you live outside of the area of Southern California or you're unable to visit us, you can always watch Living Truth Christian Fellowship on our YouTube channel. The best way to find the videos is visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube. Again, visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the Psalms are medicine for the soul, but there's an aspect of medicine that maybe we don't always think about, and that is to know that God is just and that he will deal out justice to those who don't get theirs seemingly at the moment or even in this lifetime. God says, wrath, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And when we see corruption in high places, especially, and when it 
filters out and affects everybody, where decisions are made that impact the common man and woman and families and children. Sometimes we're like, Lord, where are you? Lord, we've been praying, and where are you? And I, and I think this particular psalm, Psalm 82, will give us some medicine in a different sense, knowing that God is just, and that each and every person who's ever lived will will give an account on that day. And that's why we need the gospel so desperately, because none of us are going to avoid that day when we stand before the Lord. And hopefully, when we stand before him, we're going to enter in by his grace and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's why the value of scripture gives us you know, all these different insights into the reality of God and his nature and humanity and why we need to be right with him. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. We'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you. And just one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your financial gift helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Please consider becoming a monthly partner too. $5 a month is greatly needed please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. Or you can write a check and mail your gift to Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 82 called God Takes His Stand. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.